You're listening to Kiama Community Radio. Hello and welcome to part two of our International Women's Day special from the Kiama Pavilion last Tuesday. This special is brought to you by Bernie Hems. Our next presenter was Kelly Marriott Stratham, a lecturer and researcher at the University of Wollongong. Kelly explored why we need to change the narrative on ageing for women and how we can all age gratefully. I am pretty wildly confident that everyone in this room would know what sexism is. But how many of you know what ageism is? And how comfortable are you calling out an attitude, a decision, or a comment that's ageist? Sexism and ageism come in a double whammy for women. But the stigma against ageing is lodged in all of us, and at every age. Ageism is stereotyping, discrimination, and mistreatment of a person based solely upon their age. And like all other isms, it's something that we've constructed. We've just made it up. And strangely enough, ageing is hopefully one thing that all of us will inevitably move through. Just as you are all sitting here, you are ageing. Congratulations. Older women are told by society to hide signs of ageing, while men's wrinkles and greying hair is distinguished. I know that you're all probably shocked by this gender double standard that we have, one of many. Women in Australia today are expected to live until they're about 85 years old, actually four more years than men. Most of us here have a lot of life ahead of us. We need to figure out what we're going to do with this ageing thing. I'd say that most of us are in denial or maybe even are fearing it. And we all hold this bias about ageing. It's implicit. It's explicit. Let's talk appearance. Older women report that as their appearance ages, they find themselves invisible, ignored, irrelevant and discounted. This is in line with widespread negative stereotyping that associates age with dependency, incompetence, forgetfulness, inflexibility, and inability to learn new information. Women experience this impossible tension between wanting to avoid negative consequences of signalling their age and the fear of being mocked as mutton dressed up as lamb if they attempt to conceal their ageing. This common expression is used to shame women, but not men, for trying to look younger than her age. Grey hair is something that's quite topical at the moment too, thanks COVID lockdowns. There are so many views about this. And grey hair is not always a sure sign of older age, but that's what we associate it with. Many women who choose to go grey or stop dyeing their hair worry about the perception that they've let themselves go given up, or even that they are giving off the impression of self-neglect. Society demands that women remain looking young and attractive and to retain their social status, but simultaneously that we age gracefully. I hate that term. It deems us embarrassingly undignified if any attempts to look youthful are made and further implies that older women have to fade from view. Ageism in the workplace 
is also something women contend with too. And here in particular, we see this intersection of sexism and ageism. There's only limited places in the workplace for women. And there's a sweet spot where you're not young enough to be distracted with plans to have a family, nor old enough that you're incompetent and useless. Older women workers are said to experience ageism from younger people because they fail to pass on their jobs to the younger generations. Think Hollywood. Older females have very few, if any, roles offered to them, while older men continue to work steadily well into their senior years. Surely this still can't be happening. But it is. It was only last week that the American actress Emmy Rossum who in real life is 35 years old, was cast to play the mother of an on-screen 25-year-old. Tom Cruise, love him, hate him, hate him. <laughs> he's turning 60 this year, and he's set to appear in a Top Gun movie remake from 1986. But his romantic interest from the original movie Kelly McGillis, who is 64, wasn't considered for a role. And she's been pretty vocal about this and what Hollywood's expectations are of women on screen. She says that men gain something with age. They have more authority and confidence, but women are left with the scary roles, the grandmothers, the witches, the mothers-in-law. And why is all this important? Because how older people and the different generations are portrayed in the media, movies and online tells the story in society about how we age. And most of all, you can't be what you can't see. Older women are hidden. How can women in their 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, hopefully 100s, even know how to be? Even more damaging is the stereotypes referring to whole generations of people, generalising and dehumanising them. You might have heard how Gen Zers are addicted to technology, Millennials are poor because they eat avocado on toast for breakfast every day. Gen Xs are the neglected, cynical, gloomy generation. Or probably most famous is how boomers are so out of touch that younger generations are so exhausted even talking to them, they just reply with, OK, boomer. They're all pretty unhelpful and all have pretty damaging views on ageing. I've experienced ageism within my own profession a young, newly graduate nurse who didn't know anything, to a 30-something nurse who doesn't know enough. My choice of specialisation within nursing has also copped some ageist attitudes too. Working with older people as a nurse is seen as a step down from the fast-paced acute care environments. Nowhere near as sexy. And definitely reserved for nurses close to retirement. Not younger nurses. Why would I be wasting my youth with older people? Nurses working in aged care also get paid less. As a society, we don't even value older people enough to even pay the people who care for them what they're worth. I said it before, ageing is something that I hope is afforded to you all. We need to change the way we think and speak about getting older. Did you know that it's only actually about 4.5% of older people that go into residential aged care in Australia? not that much. Did you also know that people actually say that they are the happiest in their later life? People also develop a greater perspective of what's important as they age. 
the ability to problem solve is streamlined after years and years of practice and trial and error. There's even an accumulation of certain types of knowledge, what we call crystallized intelligence. So we get smarter. That's something to look forward to. And apparently, the sex is even better. Several studies have shown that older people have more and better sex than you might think. Research with some 80-year-old women actually found out that the big O was reached always or most of the time during sex. Some researchers believe that our attitudes towards ageing when we're young adults often predict what kind of older person we'll be. So, if we dislike older people when we're young, they'll also turn out to be a crotchety, disagreeable older person. Some researchers found that people who have positive stereotypes about their mental and physical health during retirement actually lived five years longer. There are heaps of benefits about engaging with ageing. And I wish everyone knew this so that we could have changed the narrative sooner. So how might you change the narrative on what it is to age in today's society? What can you do to be a grateful ager? International Women's Day for me is about reflection, a day where I get to get really curious about what it is to be a woman in this world and what the legacy is that I want to leave behind. And there is a poem by Rupi Kaur that sums this day up for me. I stand on the sacrifices of a million women before me, thinking, what can I do to make this mountain taller so that women after me can see farther? So today, I'm urging you to be the person who is a grateful ager, not graceful. And I leave you with one final thought for today. How are you going to break the bias on aging? The next speaker is Maddie Costanzo. As a fitness and performance coach for elite athletes, Maddie is currently coaching over 70 professional motocross BMX and mountain bike riders. With a background as a semi-professional footballer, she has a passion for role modeling female representation in male-dominated sports. Yeah, I am pretty young and I still get asked for ID pretty much everywhere I go. Uh, I am 26, but yeah, I'm, the reason I'm here is like Sal just asked me to come here. I, I'm still getting used to doing talks, um, but I'm super grateful for this opportunity. Uh, so a little bit about me, I'm going to tell you my story and tell you kind of, you know, where it all started um, and then where I am today. Uh, so growing up, I played uh, football, uh, soccer, but I like to call it football. Um, and at the age of 11, I travelled overseas for the first time to play football overseas in um, Germany, Denmark, Holland and Sweden. So I didn't go to school very much. You know, my spelling, my grammar and all that isn't the best, but I had a really cool lifestyle and... It made me grow up really quick because mum and dad weren't there. I was there with just with my football team and the only adult that was there was our coach and sometimes even the coaches aren't really adults. I know me as a coach now, I still can be a big kid. The year after that, I got to travel back over to America. So when I was 12 and was playing over there for a bit as well, that was obviously easier to communicate with them. I actually came back with an American accent um, and I asked mum for catch up for about two weeks after. So that kind of kicked off like my football journey. Uh, I guess being independent, especially as a female, you know, especially in sport, um, you need to back yourself. You know, there's a lot of things that I missed out on being a kid. You know, I couldn't go to sleepovers. I couldn't go to parties because I was always training or I was somewhere overseas. 
but I'm really grateful for those experiences. And then obviously my goal in life was just to be a professional footballer. You know, at school a lot of teachers said to me, Mads, you know, you're disruptive, because I didn't understand maths and English, so I was just in the way, and I got kicked out of a lot of classes. I excelled in PE, agriculture, music, you know, all the creative subjects. Um, and I got told quite a lot growing up that, you know, sport doesn't get you very far. You know, sport isn't going to be a career if you're a female and you, you need to start thinking about like a proper career choice and actually starting to listen at school. Um, I decided to leave school when I was 17, so I finished year 11 and I asked mum if I could leave school and she said, yeah, of course, as long as you're either studying something that you love um, or if you have a job. So I did both. I started my Cert 3 in fitness and then I became a little kickers coach. And for anyone that doesn't know what that is, you literally get to teach kids from 18 months to five how to play like soccer and rugby. And it was like the coolest job ever because I just got paid to be a big kid. Um, so that's kind of where it all started. So I loved the idea of coaching, you know, giving back to the younger kids. It was so cool when they came in, the first thing they want to say is, Coach Maddie, look at my new shoes. And I was like, this is so awesome. That was like where it all started. I was like, I love coaching. How can I do more of this? So then obviously I did my cert three and four in fitness. Um, I was still playing semi-professional football. And I was just about to sign my first pro contract with Western Sydney Wanderers in like the W League. And I unfortunately did my ACL. So for anyone that doesn't know what uh, that injury is, is you need to have surgery. You're out from playing for 12 months. And yeah, pretty much that pro contract got ripped up because I wasn't obviously any value to that team anymore. So I obviously spent a lot of nights in bed with a knee brace crying because I thought everything that I worked for my whole life since I was young, you know, kind of got taken away from me and I just thought, like, why me? I had my month of, you know, feeling down and sorry for myself. And then I thought, hold on a second, you know, you're pretty young, you're only actually 19, let's do the rehab properly and let's, like, prove people wrong. And a big turning point for me was... Um, my dad actually said to me one night, I still remember it, laying in bed, he goes, I told you you wouldn't make it as a female sports person, like athlete or whatever, and so that was kind of like, I'll show you. I got back playing football in 10 months, uh, so it's actually shorter than what is expected, um, and I went straight back into first grade where I'd left off, and I actually had the best season of my career. I actually won the golden boot for the whole league, so that's scoring the most goals in the comp. Thank you. Um... And I received like one of the Players' Players' Awards for my local club and the Coaches' Award that year. So coming back from a massive injury, I received more awards than I had in my whole football career. Um, and I actually then got asked to be signed with another team, which is Sydney FC. And so I did the pre-season, I did the hard yards, and I played my first trial game, and I did my other ACL. So then I was laying in the hospital bed again, just going like okay, maybe football isn't my career. You know, I've done both knees, at least I evened it out. That's my joke now. Um, and I thought, okay, well, let's be a little bit serious now. You're not maybe meant to be a footballer. You loved coaching. How can you turn that into a career? So at 22, I decided to start my own business as like a performance coach. And I just wanted to coach kids. My motto now is I want to be the coach that I didn't have when I was growing up. When I was sitting in those hospital beds with both those ACLs, I didn't have a coach call me. You know, mum was sitting there. She was the only one that was there. I didn't have any other support when you're meant to be in a team environment. Now, when I first started, you know, I only had a couple of kids and I was still, like, training other people on the side. Today, I have over 75 athletes all around the world. I have a pro rider in America. I have athletes all over Australia. 
And it's actually really cool. Last week, I just have come back from the first ever women's mountain biking camp down in Victoria. So that was really cool to be a part of. Um, And the coolest thing about all that was because my logo is obviously my last name, um, so it's very special to me. And my logo officially got sat next to Vans, Red Bull, Highline, Trek Bikes, like all these massive names in sport. So what I'm here to do is like just to inspire people that, you know, you can do something in sport. Okay, yes, I wasn't a footballer. Yes, I wasn't an athlete. I'm not actually on the field. But I just changed my vision. I changed the direction. Instead of giving up, I was just like, okay, I'm good at communicating. I love helping kids. How can I do that full time? And then that's the job that I do today. And the good thing is obviously a little bit about working with these kids is they start to realise, they say little things, and it's, I had, I've had mum say, I have a mini, Matt, mini Maddie running around my house now. And I was like, good. I was like, yes, I'm influencing these kids in a positive way because the mum or the dad might say something and the kid now turns around and goes, that's not positive. Would Maddie say that? And I'm like, yes. So that's really cool. So to be a coach now and to have that influence on these kids is just the best thing that I could have asked for as a job. But the thing that I'm most proud of is just seeing the young females that I coach in motocross because obviously that is a very male-dominated sport and to see these young girls with their helmets on and their ponytails like flying out the back is like the most awesome thing you'll ever see you know and then it's so cool when they beat the boys too because the boys are like I just got beaten by a girl and I said yes you did yes you did and don't forget it and I think that's that's really really awesome but what I'm going to leave you with is just two things that I want you guys to remember and something that I live by is every morning I wake up and I write down three things I'm grateful for. I write down three daily goals that I want to achieve that day, whether it be, you know, inspire my kids, give a great talk today, go train, whatever it is. They're the things that keep me motivated. They're the things that on the hard days, the days when we get the negative comments, the days when we get the weird looks, those three gratefuls and those three daily goals literally keep me going. But the thing that I really want to leave you guys with is just a really cool little story. And it actually brought me to tears because about six months ago, uh, one of my mums sent me a video of their young boy, which is even cooler because it's a young man. And it was him standing here, like up on stage at his local public school. He had to give a speech on someone that inspired him. And he could have picked any of his motocross coaches. He could have picked his amazing dad, who's a very, very good man. He could have picked his amazing mum. She's very inspiring. And it brought me to tears, the things that he said, because he did his story on me. And I thought that was the coolest thing ever, that he picked his female trainer in a male-dominated industry world to be the person that is his leader and his role model. And that was the moment I made it. So anything that's your strength and that inspires you, and if you can just look after yourself, because if we don't work, no one else around us works, and just literally be you. And um, thank you for having me. And if anyone ever wants to talk to me, come to the gym, train, feel inspired, feel empowered, come punch a boxing bag, whatever it is, come find me and I'm all for it. But yeah, thank you for having me today and um, I hope I inspired someone to you know, do something. Next up, we have the Kayama Illawarra Pride Choir singing in the Emerald City. Well, 
Madeline, this has been a great day. What impressed you the most? It's extraordinary to find this bunch of women who have so much life experience and such a great outlook on the world. It's no, no great surprise, but it's good to see them all here in one place. I'm meeting now with some students from Kayama High School. Here we have Sarah Baxter. So we've had a great day so far. What have you gained from this morning? Um, a lot, really. I've been able to look at so many different people and like how they've come to where they are and like the inspiring women in our community and like the Indigenous community, and it's just been so amazing. Like, to just see what are the messages, do you think, that you will take back with you to school, to home? I think some of the main components are just like really just like looking at yourself and your surroundings and like your, the privilege that we have to be in like the society that we live in and taking from that and just being like who you want to be instead of relying on your outside perspective. And to our principal, what, what, what do you think your takeaways are from today? I feel really inspired by the Kayama community for organising this event and it's great that so many of our young girls could come along and be exposed to the community sentiment to learn more about how they can make a difference in their you know, life and careers. And I love the fact that there's just a sense of acceptance, inclusivity and no judgement here today. To end this podcast, I would like to thank Sally Bursell and her team for a truly inspirational experience. International Women's Day 2022 in Kayama has been remarkable. At the start of the day, we had a wonderful presentation by the very interesting Kiki Bitovovich. She managed to put her whole body through the center of a stringless tennis racket. I still can't work out how she managed to do it, but perhaps that's representative of what women do very often in their normal everyday lives. They do the impossible. In the words of Auntie Joyce Donovan, women need to support women because we do magic things when we stand together. You've been listening to Kiama Community Radio. The views, information or opinions expressed during this segment are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of Kiama Community Radio.